The hymn uh, we just sang uh, warns us that uh, if we are believers, uh, we are living in the midst of enemies, uh, that uh, however much it may not feel like it sometimes, uh, we have dangers all around us, and not dangers so much, particularly uh, dangers to our body, to our physical lives, though that is sometimes the case. The New Testament far more often warns us about the spiritual dangers that we are all in. And that is no different now to what it was when the New Testament was written. And in this letter of Titus, Paul is very conscious of the dangers, the spiritual dangers that surrounded Titus where he was uh, preaching and teaching in Crete where he'd been left by Paul. And he warns Titus about the presence and the reality of false teachers. Uh, He realizes that there is an ever-present danger of false teaching, and the reason false teaching is so deadly is because although swords and spears and, as we might say, guns and weapons might take your physical life away, they can't touch your soul. A gun can do no harm to your soul, uh, at least not the bullet end of it. But Paul says here, that false teaching has the capacity to not just destroy a person in this life, but in the next. Uh, It's so crucial what we believe and who we follow. And that is what this section, verses 10 to 16, is really all about, where Paul is warning Titus about the people who he is ministering among. Uh, and the dangers that he will find there. Now, it's funny, when we think of false teachers, when we sort of imagine a false teacher, we perhaps sort of instinctively think of people with horns and kind of a forked tongue. Uh, We think of an obviously evil-looking person. Or we might think of a uh, a big personality in a, a sharp suit with a big charisma, speaking to large audiences and perhaps... Uh, driving or um, flying a private jet and uh, they're teaching what is false for their own personal gain. And that's what we might think of when we think of a false teacher. But the reality is many false teachers, probably most false teachers, are not like that. They're not on our TV screens. Uh, They're not big personalities with huge audiences. In reality, many false teachers can be little old women or respectable old men or cheerful young men and women. Uh, In fact, false teachers could look very much like you or me. False teachers are just ordinary people on the outside. They don't come with an obvious warning label saying, I am a wolf. That's why Jesus called them wolves in sheep's clothing. 
They look like sheep. They smell like sheep. They seem like sheep. Uh, Judas was among the twelve, and none of them realized, except Christ, of course, himself, but none of the disciples realized that he was the betrayer in their midst. And some of the biggest false teachers in Jesus' own day, when he was preaching, they weren't the lowlifes of the community. They were, in fact, the most respected men in the Jewish religion of the day. Now, the Pharisees, the people who Jesus had the most, who he gave the most harsh denunciations to, were the people who most of the ordinary people respected as being the most holy. The people who they thought were furthest from false teaching. This is one of the other reasons why false teaching is so dangerous. We can be completely oblivious to it until it's too late. And that's why Paul, in verses 5 to 9, tells Timothy that it's crucial that churches are led by men of good character. Uh, men who, as we saw last week, have their families in order, who have their desires in order, who have their emotions in order, and who have their words in order. Because then they can navigate a safe path and will not be deceived by those around. And they themselves will not be deceivers of the flock. And in verses 10 to 16... Paul explains to Titus why it's so necessary to have such men leading the church. Because Paul had left Titus in Crete, and Crete had a very bad reputation. Uh, The people of Crete had a very bad reputation. I don't know if you noticed uh, what Paul says of Crete in verse 12. Uh, He says, one of them, that's one of the Cretans, people who lived in Crete, it says, one of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And in verse 13, he says, this testimony is true. Uh, there, Paul is quoting uh, a Cretan philosopher, and the name escapes me just uh, at this moment, but a famous Cretan philosopher who Paul had obviously read to some extent or another. And he says, even one of their own, Even a Cretan, this philosopher, even he recognized that the Cretans, so many of them, were uh, liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Uh, Strong words to describe a society. But could we say our society is much different? Uh, Does our society have a problem with lies? Perhaps ask the politicians. Does our society have a problem with gluttony? Again, I think we know the answer. Uh, Our society today is not that dissimilar from the Cretan society of Titus's day. And Paul warns Titus that there are many people around who will seek to turn him from the truth. And they will seek to turn the people he is uh, discipling his own flock in the church, turn them away from the truth. And so he warns him. He warns them to keep aware, to watch out for such people. And we need to take 
the warning ourselves today. And what I'd like to do is just look at three ways uh, that Paul describes um, these um, dangerous, these um, false people who will potentially lead the flock astray. Uh, But when I describe this, I don't want to just... um, describe them so that we can spot them when we see them. I also want to describe them so that we can ask ourselves, are we one of them ourselves? Because the thing is, not it? we always think the problem's out there. It's not in here. But the reality is we can be ourselves guilty of the things which Paul rebukes these people for in this chapter. As I say, false teachers, they don't come with a warning label. Uh, They look very much like you or me. So let's look at how Paul describes uh, these people who are um, dangerous to the flock and who he warns Titus of. Uh, Look what he says in verse 10. Uh, He says, for there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers. He says, first of all, there are many who are insubordinate. Uh, now, it's a, perhaps a strange sort of word, but I think, I think most of us know what insubordinate means. It means when you will not listen to authority. Uh, perhaps some of us have personalities which are naturally inclined to this. Whenever there's an authority figure, just something in us just wants to react against them and to do the opposite of what they say. That's what insubordinate means, not wanting to submit to authority. And Paul says there are many people like that, many people who will not listen to God-given authority. Um, That includes the government that God has put into place in whatever country we live, Uh, but also includes the government in a local church of the leaders who are in place there and Peter warns about the danger of insubordination the danger of not listening to the authorities that exist in verses five to nine he's already explained what it takes to be a good leader and when we read those things in our society in our culture today we applaud um, I don't know if you've noticed how many books there are out there about how to be a good leader. There's hundreds of them, thousands of them. Um, we all want our leaders to be better. Uh, just look on the news and you'll see people critiquing uh, list trust left, right and centre, rightly or wrongly. I'm making no comment about that. Uh, but people are very quick to critique leaders and those in authority. That's a very popular thing to do. What's less popular is to turn the finger on yourself, on ourselves, to wonder, is what I'm critiquing those in authority, is what I'm criticising them for, am I guilty of those things myself? In verses 5 to 9, Paul explains how to be a good leader, or what a good leader is like, but in verses 10 onwards... He describes how we need to be good followers as well. You need both. If you have good leaders, but you have bad followers, you're going to have a miserable time. 
If you have good followers but bad leaders, you're also going to have a miserable time. You need both good leaders and good followers. Both have a responsibility before God. Paul warns, don't succumb to insubordination. Respect the authorities that God has put in place. You may not always agree with them. You may not always like them. But you must always respect them. Because we will be judged for our respect of those in authority over us. Uh, One of the best examples of uh, a good attitude to authority um, I read in one of the Narnia books, and it seems to be the Narnia theme, I quoted it the other week as well. Uh, but on one of the slightly less, known, less well-known books, uh, Prince Caspian, I think it's the third one in the series, fourth one maybe, um, there's a character called Trumpkin the Dwarf. And I won't go through the whole plot, but basically uh, Trumpkin is a bit of a sceptic. Uh, he doesn't believe in Aslan and all the stories of years gone by. Uh, Aslan's not been seen for many, many years, the great lion Aslan, who's the king, uh, allegedly. And he's not been seen for many years, but uh, they have discovered a magic horn. And the belief is that when they blow this horn, help will come to them. Aslan will send help to them if they blow this horn. And some of the Narnians believe that help will come, but others are sceptical and trumpkin is one of the sceptics. And when they're discussing what to do, whether they should blow this horn in the difficult situation they find themselves, Trumpkin gives his opinion, and he says, it's all just nonsense. It's all just moonshine. Uh, He says that um, they're just going to be uh, giving themselves false hope. And he boldly states his opinion. Well, in the end, they decide to blow the horn. Uh, They ignore Trumpkin's advice and so they blow the horn and they realize they're going to have to send messengers out to find out if the help has come Uh, because they don't know where the help is going to come to and so they ask for volunteers among the Narnians who will go out and search for the help and Trumpkin volunteers and everyone's shocked Everyone says, but Trumpkin, you don't believe in the horn. You think it's all nonsense. Why would you volunteer for this dangerous mission? And Trumpkin responds, I know the difference between giving advice and taking orders. I've given my advice. Now is the time for taking orders. And I love that example of Um, the right attitude to authority. He spoke up when he thought it was wrong. He spoke up when he thought the advice was bad. But when his advice was ignored, he then took his role as a servant seriously and he obeyed what the king said. That's what we should be as well. Uh, When we see things which we don't think are quite right, we should speak up and we should give our opinion. But if the leaders, whoever they may be, decide otherwise, then we submit. Then we say, I've given my advice, now's the time for taking orders. Unless, of course, the order is against God's orders. That's what it means to be a good follower. To follow even when someone hasn't listened to your advice. When someone's not doing something the way you wanted it to be done. 
That's what submission means. And unfortunately, our culture is very bad at it because we're all individuals, aren't we? We all want to find our path and our truth when actually sometimes we have to follow even when it's not our idea. So that's the first thing that Paul warns Titus about. There are many who are insubordinate, people who will not listen to the authorities that God has given. He says, beware of them. That is dangerous. But let's move on. He describes more about people who uh, Titus should be wary of. He says in verse 10, for there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. Uh, He says they're insubordinate, they don't listen to authority, but they're also idle talkers and deceivers. That's an interesting phrase, that, isn't it? Idle talkers. And it's worth noting uh, that false teaching is more often spread through the careless sharing of misguided beliefs by ordinary people than it is by someone on a TV screen or someone standing in a pulpit. More false teaching is spread amongst ourselves, if I could put it that way, than ever is from a pulpit. Uh, People giving unguarded opinions, people saying things that they've heard somewhere without giving it due thought and attention, without comparing it properly with what the Bible actually says, and just spewing it out, and before you know it, it spreads. Uh, It reminds me of how in the Second World War, I don't know if you've ever seen posters from the Second World War, and there was a slogan which was put on many posters which said, careless words cost lives. And it would show uh, maybe two women at a um, shopping counter gossiping, and on the shelves would be jars with uh, Hitler moustaches and saying that people would be listening in. And the warning was, be careful what you say. You do not know who is listening. Uh, I understand in the United States as well, uh, there was... Um, a campaign which said that loose lips sinks ships. (laughs) Loose lips sinks ships. Um, But it's also true, spiritually, uh, in a church. Uh, Not because we may give away secrets, but because we might share what is false without even realising that we are doing it. And false teaching can spread like wildfire. Uh, most of us, hopefully, would think twice before offering unguarded medical advice. Some people don't, but most of us, hopefully, would, because we know the damage that could happen if you give someone the wrong piece of medical advice. Better to leave it to those who know what they're talking about. And yet, do we have the same concern about what we share spiritually? Do we have the same concern that what we say to others actually holds up to what the Bible actually says. And Paul, here in these verses, he has a particular thing in mind. Did you notice he said, uh, they're both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. And he's speaking of the the Jews. Uh, That's what he means by the circumcision. And uh, look again at verse um, 10 and 11, it says, especially those of circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Uh, He says there are Jewish people 
in his time then who were teaching things which they shouldn't teach. Uh, They were teaching things which were damaging and which were harmful, but many people were taking on board and accepting. And Paul is saying this is dangerous. Their mouths must be stopped. He doesn't mean they must be killed. He means they must be stopped sharing the false teaching that they were sharing. Uh, You might wonder, well, what is is this false teaching uh, that they were sharing? Well, we get a little hint uh, in verse 14, uh, where Paul says to Titus, not, we, that don't basically, don't give heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. And that phrase, commandments of men, teaches us what we need to know to understand what this false teaching was. Um, Paul was not saying that the Jewish teaching was the Old Testament. Paul clearly believed the Old Testament. He taught the Old Testament. What Paul was warning against were the Jewish traditions that were built up around the Old Testament. Uh, The Old Testament is God's word, but over time, the Jewish religion sort of developed and lots of other things got sort of added on to what God said. Uh, You might remember that Jesus himself met with this in his ministry. Uh, In Mark chapter 7, we're told that Jesus didn't go through some of the sort of washing rituals that the Pharisees said that you had to go through. The Bible didn't say that. The Bible didn't say that you have to do certain ritualistic washings before eating. But the Pharisees said you did. And then when the Pharisees saw that Jesus and his disciples weren't doing them, They rebuked them. Let me read it for you. It's in Mark chapter 7. And this is what it says. Mark chapter 7 verse 2. It says, When they, that's the Pharisees, saw some of Jesus' disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other things, such things you do. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. Do you hear what? Jesus rebuked them for. He says, for years you've been building up these traditions. And yet these traditions did not enter into the mind of God. God never said them. You've developed them yourself. You've created them yourself. And yet you've started to make the traditions more important than what I actually said in the first place. You have elevated traditions and commandments of men above what God actually said. And it's the same situation that Paul is rebuking here. People who are heeding the commandments of men and teaching the commandments of men and yet neglecting the teaching 
of God himself. The problem wasn't in the traditions per se. Uh, The problem wasn't in the commandments as commandments. The problem was in confusing them with God's words, thinking that they were as important or even perhaps more important. Now, we may not perhaps struggle with that same thing. We don't have the temptation uh, to follow Jewish traditions because we do not live in a Jewish nation. Um, those aren't our, that isn't our temptation. But nevertheless, the same thing happens today. Uh, whenever churches form, uh, whenever denominations form, wait a little while and before too long, traditions will rise up. Traditions will rise up within the different groups of churches, whichever, whichever one you may find. And again, those traditions aren't wrong in themselves, but sometimes, given enough time, those traditions can become more important than God's own words. Um, we have a Baptist tradition, and uh, we do things in a certain way. But woe betide us if we start thinking those traditions, those things which God has not commanded, are as important or more important than what God actually has said. I'm tempted to give examples, but I think I'll let um, us do the maths for ourselves, for what is the difference between the traditions and what are the commandments of God. Paul says it's crucial we see the distinction. Traditions aren't wrong by themselves, but make sure you understand what are traditions and what are God's commandments. It reminds me a little bit of the story of two uh, cargo ships, and um, one of them wanted to get to their destination as quickly as possible. And so they burnt all their coal as quickly as possible, and then when they burnt all the coal, they uh, burnt the cargo as well, because they wanted to get there so quickly. But of course, when they got there, they had nothing to deliver. And some churches are like that. Uh, They sort of bail out the truth, thinking it would be more effective to reach people, but then they've got nothing to reach people with because they've jettisoned the truth. But other churches can start to love the coal so much that they don't want to burn it. And then they never reach the destination at all. That's what happens when churches get so caught up with tradition that they forget what God has actually commanded us to do. And Paul warns, he warns Titus, beware, beware such people, beware when traditions become bigger than what God has said. So we've seen two descriptions so far. We've seen that Paul warns about insubordinate people, people who will not listen to authority. He says, warn people who, warn, be warned of people who are idle talkers and deceivers, uh, people who elevate tradition above what God has actually said and teach that to others in their words, everyday words. But then he gives one more description as well. Uh, notice what he says uh, in verse uh, 16. He says, they profess to know God." But in works they deny him, being abominable 
disobedient and disqualified for every good work. Uh, One of the biggest rebukes that Christ gave of the Pharisees was that they were hypocrites. Even the passage we just read, uh, he rebukes them for their hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is saying one thing and doing another. I think the Greek word comes from the idea of putting on a mask. It's what the actors do on the stage. Uh, They put on a mask on the outside to look like one thing, but on the inside there's something different. And Paul says, Titus, be warned. Be warned of those who are hypocrites, who profess to know God, who say, I know God, but their lives do not match their words. Uh, Jesus himself said, didn't he, by their fruits you will know them. Uh, You won't recognize a false teacher by horns and a forked tongue. They don't have them. You don't even know a false teacher just merely by listening to their words because they can be very deceitful. They can speak in a very wonderful way and we can be easily manipulated and deceived by someone's words. Jesus says, if you want to know what someone is really like, look at their lives. Look at how they live. Uh, I read online just this week uh, about someone and they Um, I forget in what context it was, but they um, would sell uh, cheap watches and they would have uh, fake Rolexes. I I saw a sign of a a stall in Israel and um, one of the signs above one of the stalls was, we sell genuine fake watches. (laughs) Work that one out. Uh, But they would sell these fake watches, these fake Rolexes. But he said you would always know which were the fake and which were the real if you just watched them long enough. Watch the watches long enough because the fake Rolexes wouldn't tell the time. Keep watching them and they would end up not telling the time at all. And that's what it's like with people. Watch their lives and you will see if they're genuine or not. Uh, Whether they are like those we were talking about last week who just want the preeminence, who just want to be a, a face on a poster or who want to speak to lots of people. Look at their lives and you'll see what their hearts are really like. As James said, a bad fountain doesn't produce clean water. Uh, If you want to know if a fountain's bad, just look at the water it produces. If it's dirty water, you've got a dirty fountain. Uh, So we need to watch. Uh, We need to be attentive of others. That's why Paul says, find men of good character. And he instructs Timothy, sorry, instructs Titus to find men who have good character by looking at their lives to see if it matches what they say. But lastly, did you notice what Paul says Titus is to do when he sees such people? As he's ministering, as he's teaching, as he's seeking to guide the church in Crete, uh, did you notice what he says Paul says to him he should do when he sees such people. He says in verse 13, Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. Paul says, rebuke such people sharply. Rebuke insubordination. Rebuke uh, idle talking. Rebuke deceit. Rebuke hypocrisy. And do you see how... 
in that context, rebuke can be the most loving thing a leader could ever do. Uh, He would be a cruel leader to just let it slide. It would be cruel to the rest of the flock who might be deceived, but it would also be cruel to the person doing the deceiving. Because if they continue down their path, it will end in destruction. Paul says, no, love them by rebuking, and rebuking sharply. That's what it means to be a good servant of God. And that was the theme of all our hymns um, this evening. And they're all about warfare. Not in the world sense of guns and knives and whatnot, but spiritual warfare. Having an ear open to discern false teaching from good teaching and being prepared to rebuke it when we hear it and when we see it. That's what it means to show true love. And we'll see as we go through the rest of the letter to Titus how Paul teaches Titus more about how he must do that. Uh, We'll leave it there for this evening. And we'll close uh, by singing 720. Uh, 720. Uh, Again, it's a hymn with this theme of warfare and the fight that we are all in. And it's really a challenge to each of us. Uh, Whose side are we on? 720. Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the king? Who will be his helpers other lives to bring? So let's stand to sing in closing 720.